I don't know where Missouri is. Um, it's between here and New York. Okay, in the middle. Oh, boy, is it. So the northern half of Missouri is Iowa, and the southern half is Arkansas. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Well, this is Brian. Are you with us? I'm with I'm with you. You know what? We've got a lot of ground to cover. Howdy! Welcome to episode 44 of the Managing Expectations podcast, or as the kids like to call it, Managing Expectations. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. With me, as always, is the Segundo, the uh, the aide de camp. We haven't yeah. heard from the we haven't heard from the Segundo in months. No, I know the the Segundo is trying to uh, gather up uh, the remnants of a shattered life in the Colorado mountains. Like that ever works? Well, that's not a bad place to start. Okay, so uh, he uh, with me as always is uh, the aide de camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Good morning, Jeff. Um, This is a this is a very special managing expectations. This is our first book club edition. And uh, with us are a couple of guest panelists Uh, returning to uh, uh, managing expectations is Tirza Major. Howdy. Tirza. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Oh, happy to have you. <laughs> and uh, first time guest, Emily Fry. Howdy, Emily. Hi. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we want you to pace yourself, Emily. Uh, right. I, I know it can be, it can be really intimidating being on a, um, you know, high level podcasts like this, but just don't be intimidated. We just so want many you to be, listeners. We just want you to be yourself only with less profanity. I'll try my best. Thank you. <laughs> so it's a very special uh, episode because we, it is our first book club edition. I don't know how Oprah does it, but uh, this actually came about because I work with Emily and Emily has uh, a um, uh, Emily, why don't you tell us what you like to read? The old lady books, uh, Murder, She Wrote, Jessica Fletcher, Top Notch, Agatha Christie, also Top Notch, but the cozy I, ones, cozy. Yeah. yeah. So what's interesting is that um, Emily, for being young and a little rough around the edges sometimes, like when she's in a high peak. Um, uh, nevertheless, has an appetite for cozy mysteries, nothing with explicit uh, sex or violence, which is which is um, peculiar for someone her age. Is it safe to call you a millennial, Emily? I guess so. Yeah. I think you're a couple years older than Tirza. Okay. So then, yeah. 
Yeah, so you guys are going to have a lot in common. And uh, hating this book is one of them. Mm. What book, you may ask? Why, none other than The Deep Blue Goodbye by John D. MacDonald, written in 1964, which is telling because just as some people can overlook, say, the anti-Semitism of Agatha Christie because it was written so long ago before people realized that that's not cool, uh, John D. MacDonald wrote his book and it's very much a part of the time. So imagine a book that was read by most of the guys in Mad Men and I think you've got a thriller of the sort of the deep blue goodbye. Would anyone like to, uh, and Emily, without your video on, uh, this is, we're, we're doing this over uh, um, highly advanced uh, technology. If yes. you could either, you can either just interrupt, which I know <laughs> goes against your nature, or you could raise your hand if you can figure out how to do that. Okay. Okay, thanks. Uh, who would like to summarize the book for us? I'd love, I'd love for one of you to summarize The Deep Blue Goodbye by John D. MacDonald. Go right ahead, Emily. Okay. Um, a guy not any better than the villain of the book uh, helps just helpless ladies with their troubles finding the fortune uh, that their father, you know, got, got up. So that's pretty much all I have to say about this one. Okay. Worth, yeah. Worthless men and, yeah. uh, and I'm trying to hold helpless back. women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, worthless men and hopeless women? Is that how helpless. you? Helpless. Okay. All right. Well, um, I don't think that those are great summaries, <laughs> though they're almost as good as the one on Wikipedia. Uh, okay, so the, let me go. The okay. Deep Blue Goodbye is the first of 21 books featuring the recurring character Travis McGee. Uh, Travis McGee is described uh, on the back on the back of uh, my paperback as uh, that big uh, that big loose joint. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, the light's terrible in here. The big, loose-jointed boat bum, that slayer of small savage fish, that beach walker, gin drinker, quip maker, that man named Travis McGee, who was a walking pillar of cold rage as he followed the depraved wreckage of Junior Allen's trail. Mm. Now, I will defend the book on, okay, so it introduces Travis McGee, who was, um, as I said, uh, uh, a serial, um, serialized um, protagonist, if you will, um, through the 60s and 70s into the 80s when John D. McDonald uh, died. Uh, so um, this was popular fiction. It kind of paved the way for recurring characters. Actually, uh, to my way of thinking, um, you know, there were literary um heroes who appeared over the years sam spade uh dashiell hammett wrote about the continental op um mickey spillane wrote the mike hammer books and then and so john d mcdonald was was doing this um starting in the 60s and, and then through the 70s it's very much a part of its time but it's uh uh 
uh, the thing about Travis McGee is he takes his retirement a little bit at a time. So he's enjoying life. He's living. Hey, everybody, this is what I figured it out. All right. Nice work. Nice work. So uh, um, he's taking his retirement a little bit at a time. He'll pick up a job. What kind of job you may ask? Well, he calls himself a salvage consultant. So um, when uh, (laughs) when when something's just a little bit outside the law, uh, Travis McGee will go get it and then split half and half. And the person who is asking for the favor is in no position to haggle, though he doesn't take half at the end of this one. Um, Spoiler alert. We don't very, know. very honorable thing he did there at the end. Oh, right. Really? Okay, right. okay, okay, okay. So, so I will defend it on, on these grounds, okay? So uh, I, I thought that um, uh, Junior Allen was a formidable uh, villain. Um, I think that uh, uh, the fight scenes, uh, the event, you know, the, the, the um, interaction, the, the- The conflict. The conflict, thank you, Brian. Uh, at the end was compelling. Um, and I don't think that all of the descriptions were wrong, though some of them were <laughs> very wrong. Okay, you know what? So so I, um, again, this is our first book club. Um, uh, the way the book gets rolling is uh, McGee has uh, a lady friend over. She's she's a dancer. Oh, yeah. Chucky. <laughs> how did you say her name? Was it Chucky? Chucky. That's how Chucky. I was saying it. Yeah. Chucky. Yeah. yeah. Chucky McCall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. All right. So did you not? Okay. Chucky asked McGee for a favor. Trav, honey. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta like picture her swinging a little thing on the side. You know yeah. what I mean? With like a with like a cigarette holder, right? In the other hand, yeah. No, yeah. she's not a cigarette holder. She's a working girl. She works as hard. Dancers work as hard as coal miners. Oh man! There you go. You're back. Did I? I yeah. I I, I uh, had a internet hiccup. Okay. Uh, dan- it, for those of you who don't remember, dancers work as hard as coal miners used to. That was that was before 1964, when coal mining became way better. <laughs> I don't even know what that line was supposed to mean, but McDonald should have known better. He was from Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, I kind of like. I've, I've been doing a lot of the talking. Brian is keeping there, his head down. Well, there was. Th- yeah. So, so Chucky McCall approaches her friend Travis and says, "Hey, I've got a friend who needs some help." Um, but uh, during this time, she goes back, or after she asks for the favor, she goes back to pra- uh, practicing her her dancing. And uh, I thought that, that was an interesting line in the book where he said, uh, "Never sit in the front row of a ballet um, because of the." Um, what may appear to be graceful and smooth and beautiful from a distance up close, it's, you know, you see the sweat, you hear the grunts, you hear the thudding around. And I thought that that was a kind of an interesting point. 
Well, yeah. Also, you shouldn't go to the ballet for other reasons, but we'll leave that there. And I thought, I, I think that's a respectable piece of writing. Emily, you disagree? I'm surprised you pick up that one line based on everything else he's describing on Chuki. Poor Chuki. Because, yeah. I poor Chuki. That's the only reason she's there. That's the only reason she's there is to hang off his houseboat, which by the way, that's the only part of the story I liked. Like I would love to walk through that houseboat, but she's just there oh. for no reason. And then she offers to sleep with him and he does the noble thing of no, oh, no, right. no, 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 I can't do that, which totally goes against everything else he does in the book. Didn't make any sense later on. This is true. <laughs> it's not true. He was, he was a gentleman in many occasions. What? Well, not a, a Let's minute. not get ahead of ourselves because... Yeah, you have to point that out for us when we come to it. Oh. <laughs> That's where all my notes really come in. Poor lady. Yeah, poor uh, lady. Okay, look, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna defend McGee's philandering, but again, I think taken within the context of the era, you had James Bond, okay? Um... I don't remember James Bond kidnapping, essentially, a poor, weak lady. He's known for nine days and taking her on board, but maybe I didn't watch enough James what Bond. What did you want to, what would you have, okay, 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 okay. We're getting way ahead of yeah, ourselves. like I said. I, I wouldn't describe it as kidnapping. Would, would it, Tirza, would you describe it as kidnapping? She was brainwashed. I had ethical problems with the way he handled the situation and uh, the liberties he took with Lois very quickly <laughs> into their relationship. Um, Brian? Brian? I, I've viewed it as maybe as a, uh, a rescue, but uh, Interesting. maybe looking at it from a different light, it, you know, it maybe could be perceived as something else. <laughs> rescue is you take her to the hospital. You take her to the right. He, there, okay. he, brought, he brought a doctor. A doctor. Okay, we're Which <laughs> yeah, should be unlicensed, like, by the way. Some pin and a good, you know, walk around the block and she'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you you don't know her? That's great. Could you stay here and just. Yeah. It was 1964. They barely you know, had I... telephones and indoor plumbing. I purposefully didn't look up anything about this book or the author and halfway through the book I had to know I had to know more because I was so at sea with the decisions that these people were no making. No pun intended. Maybe. Right. <laughs> True. But finding out the era of this book did not really improve things for me. <laughs> In the long really? run. Yeah. You know what okay. it reminded me of? Um, like, have you ever seen what was that CBS show with the guy, uh, Jeff Johnson, who was on that great sitcom Enlisted? And then he, they gave him his own CBS show. And it was like set in the Florida Glades. Was it called the Glades? It might have been called the Glades. And I never actually saw it. I just saw the commercials for it. But this book reminded me exactly of that show. <laughs> so this book reminded you exactly of a show you'd never seen. 
Well, that is that is scathing. They have the same feeling. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Where okay for for uninitiated listeners. So um, this is genre fiction. It's it's a men's adventure. There's no question about it. Um, but but um, uh, so so Travis McGee lives on a houseboat in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, he offers. He lives just outside of society. Uh, he um, uh, offers um, cynical, biting observations about those of us with mortgages and um, oh, I don't know what's it called, <laughs> responsibility. So um, you know, I mean, it, it. Some of it goes down kind of hard. It's true, um, but I. I don't know that it's. I, I mean. Again, I think if you were to compare it to a lot of the popular uh, fictions of the time, it's it's uh, consistent, and I and I do think that James Bond is a comparable character, and uh, uh, you see James Bond not be a gentleman kind of a lot. Uh, If you go back and look at the old ones, you know Sean Connery will slap a gal around when you know she's. When she, you know, when she, when you got to tell her twice, I don't know. I mean, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that this, this, uh, happened. Do you um, think that Travis so, McGee has responsibilities though? He seems like a man to me who has escaped all responsibility, who shies away from any responsibility. He oh, doesn't sure. Want, no, no. He doesn't want these women in his life. He's doing his best to shunt them aside. I think he wants no. them in his life in his back pocket as many as he can. Yeah, he, yeah. he's using them to for a, right, a means but not, to an end, mm-hmm. but not for a, a healthy, meaningful relationship. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, whoa. First, okay. So I'm just there's saying, a lot I don't to think it. He does have responsibility? No. No. I'm saying. I'm saying he offers cynical, biting observations about those of us who have mortgages, responsibilities, family oh, okay. responsibilities, person interpersonal responsibilities he has friends but like uh like the bama tiger who has the longest continuous house party on record uh or something uh so yeah so he um no i don't think he does have responsibilities and that's the point but then you never we never see okay this is going to get a little tired but i mean you know we never see james bond paying the housekeeper either do we or feeding the dog, um, so yeah, sure. It's it's an it's a it's a particular idealization of life um, that can you know can hang a guy up if he thinks it's attainable, you know. So anyway, uh, no, uh, McGee has no responsibilities to speak of, just uh, personal ones. But so so he's asked to do a favor for a friend of Chuki's another dancer uh kathy was her name kathy yes kathy yeah. kerr yeah uh anybody have anything on kathy kerr the other dancer emily i bet you do poor hapless hopeless there we go simple Just... kathy. <laughs> someone go pick her up and <laughs> help her out because yeah get her some ged classes or something yikes yikes and even uh, her sister 
Just sounds like a bunch of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the, it with gets... the cu couple of kids and... What I don't understand is she was described as white trash, but still a woman. So you can't go wrong, no matter what. Dumpster diving, but you still got a prize. Um, okay, that's a misrepresentation. She, he did not use the expression white trash. Oh, no, he didn't use the, the expression white trash. He just described her house as filth, her her girth and was just like, but you know what? I'd still hit it. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Um. Well, I think the I think that the the starkness with how and it's not like it's one's better, but the starkness how he describes every other woman compared to Lois or the girl at the end, that that um, young waif who didn't know any better mm. is so it's either like disgusting woman or um woman in need of saving who doesn't know any better but even There's like no in the disgusting woman he still slips in like oh sure but still a woman right so. a few years ago wow what, a few years well, ago would have been wow you bet jack yeah <laughs> um brian has uh, started checking. Um, uh, he's reading Super Bowl um, web web pages. No, I am uh, I am engaged, but uh, certainly overmatched. <laughs> uh, so, so then, in helping Kathy Kerr. Uh, uh, McGee is brought into <laughs> um, uh, he, uh, what was the name of the woman who had um, the great house in um, in the in uh, in the Lois. keys Lois. Lois. Atkinson. Right. Lois Atkinson and um, so on the trail of Junior Allen uh, McGee comes up to what is could be only be described as a fabulous mid-century ranch, which which McGee hated. McGee hated it. What the what the heck? That should put He's him in the con a, lists for you, Jeff. Just automatically put him in the con column right there. Yeah, that should be enough. Tip him over the scale. Which oh, is because he hates mid-century architecture. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll leave that aside. Let's just say that McGee and I agree to disagree about Terrazzo Tile. You, okay? I would hope you're disagreeing with him more than, more than that. But <laughs> you said it, not me. It's, I said. Well, well. This is a start. Okay. okay? Yeah. I, no. No, I want to be Travis McGee when I grow up. Um, <laughs> Yikes. I don't. Come on. Um, so then, uh, Lois is a mess. Does anybody want to take a, anyone want to describe Lois? She's in a downward spiral, uh, because of Junior Allen and clearly an inept woman who cannot keep her life afloat. 
because she's just a woman with a small brain. It's okay. All and, right. All right. I don't think it's because she's just a woman. I, I, I mean, is it okay? Tirza, that's how you read it too? That's what he says. I'm trying to find it. Yeah. He but literally he is like a woman with emotion that. just fell yeah, victim. It's at the to... end of one of these stupid chapters. Where is it? But if she basically, if she hadn't uh, been so gentle, this right. never would have happened to her. If she was and a rough wasn't... white trash lady like the sister, she would have had enough build to her to not fall for this and would have like... like it was and he basically said it was her fault i wish i had highlighted yeah. that but he does say I... that after brian? he her in. brian did you get the impression that it was lois's fault uh no <laughs> but, but maybe i was uh maybe i read too quickly over that section <laughs> uh <laughs> Certainly, she was a victim. Junior Junior Allen is is a predator. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. No, I'm not sure that we can, but that is exactly how I read it. I see. I, I'm reading this and and see Junior Allen. I'm sorry to interrupt, Brian. I asked you, but I pretty much got the fearful agreement that I wanted from you. Um, and so I'm going to shout you down because at this point we start to see Junior Allen forming as a. Uh, a formidable opponent to McGee, right? I mean, he's a bad guy. I mean, he's like a serial. I mean, essentially, um, and and again, it was it was using a um, a euphemistic language um, before uh, fiction uh, became as explicit as it would become. But uh, I mean, Junior Allen's a serial rapist, right? Yeah, but it's more Travis's response to the fallout of what he's wrought. That I, I mean, I have no problem with what happened to Junior Allen. I wish it could have happened five times over. But Travis's lack of sympathy or empathy for the way these women react to the situation, and I did find it. He said uh, uh, she was a sensitive and introspective woman, and equally true that Junior Allen was a cruel, crude bastard but i could not quite comprehend how his use of her could have brought her to such a state uh i thought of the failure of her marriage and wondered if perhaps she was merely a neurotic headed for breakdown anyway and junior allen had merely hastened the process just a woman with no brain she couldn't help yeah. it yeah if Helpless. she had been stronger if she had been right. more uh, uh strong-minded wow then she would okay. have handled this better <laughs> I don't think, okay, okay, well, I think maybe she's merely a neurotic who was heading for breakdown anyway, and Junior Allen merely hastened the process, is not a charitable um, uh, uh, evaluation of Lois Atkinson. But I, I, I still don't think that, I, I mean, I read that, this is very interesting to me, and I don't know if it's because you're women or because you're, you're younger, but um, I just don't read it that way, like, like the fault is 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 hers therefore she she deserve it's i don't think she he says it's deserved i think maybe um he's saying it was no big surprise that she was serial raped and brainwashed yeah, by I, mean, I don't uh, think this. he's he's saying it's her fault or like or no it is her fault but it not that she deserved it but like what would you expect like 
the blame is on her. It's not because Junior Allen is a a horrible person, but like it's because she's a she's a lady that had no defense. She's weak, helpless, and if if he's trying to make the point that this woman was primed to be victimized, that she has all the characteristics of someone who would be a predator and be drawn to that kind of person it really misses the mark it really really doesn't make that clear that she's actually like because you can understand that if that's her characterization that she was she was a woman alone a wealthy woman and she was open to this kind of uh situation but he makes it he slants it towards like this was she was asking for it several times yeah the way she reacts to it he's like mm -hmm. you know what this kind of stuff happens and you're gonna have to deal with it Can we talk? Can we spend a few minutes talking about his car, <laughs> Miss, Miss Agnes? Which I just thought was really interesting. You know, it was. Uh, what was, it was the a, whole point of that, by the way? It when was a Ro- It was it's a Rolls. Ro- yeah, it was a Rolls Royce that was converted into a pickup truck, and you know. When did she come back into play? Because I don't really remember her after the description. Like, no, that was the name of his car. <laughs> Yeah, but he drove. He, he drove it the at the game. end. <laughs> it's close. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't like have missiles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it it won't. It won't leave an oil slick when when you're. Being, it might. It might. It might. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's from. It, it's it's a it's a thirty six. Yeah. But someone had cut the back of it off, right? So it was like a. Sort of like a pickup. It had been in an accident, and, and yeah, so yeah. somebody turned it into a pickup truck. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Actually, I have it bookmarked as I don't even understand what they're describing. So when you want to bring up the car thing, I couldn't even understand what <laughs> they were trying to <laughs> describe to me. So I actually had a problem with that when we get to the the action piece at the end of the book. The way it was written, I had a hard time following it. And I didn't know if anyone else did as well. Oh, yeah. holy smokes. Hang on. This episode was- of Managing Expectations <laughs> is brought to you by Mrs. Winger Makes Masks at mrswinger.com. Brian, what do you find there? Stylish, comfortable, and effective face coverings for our current times. Thank you, Brian. Also, a shout out to our friends at the 7208 podcast on Spotify. Like Joe Rogan, they're behind a paywall on Spotify, but it's a terrific, great, funny uh, uh, pop culture podcast with Chris Levine and his son, Harrison. And then, of course, uh, our, our friend Ray Barber at uh, All in a Dream Comics and Books in Denver, Colorado. Uh, check out Ray on East Colfax. Uh, he can be reached at area code 303-333-8616. So back to Miss Agnes and uh, the Deep Blue Goodbye. By the way, I was turned on to the Travis McGee books by Ray, Ray Barber in Denver, Colorado. So We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> I will be using that phone number. <laughs> um, nobody said anything about... Um, mcgee's seven foot long four foot wide bathtub 
or how he came to acquire his houseboat, the Busted Flush. Which again, he kind of sounds like not a great person. Just dirty old poker games and little con jobs. Matching it up. It's called a bluff. It's whatever. Okay. I, you know, look, I don't gamble and I don't encourage people to, but in the story that he won, he won his boat in a, in a card game, but from a rich guy who, by the way, wanted to like also bet his Brazilian mistress or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, it was was, the other guy that was very James Bond, you know, he like played the angles. He wore him down. He made sure that he got what he wanted. Including Lois to just come to his <laughs> houseboat and clean. But she, I, she, And she did chores too. And we don't want to discount that. Discount no. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she fixed, and this, then she I, got I, I mad at her totally out of context. for doing that. But... <laughs> this is so out of context. Where, where are we on time? How long has this been going on? Are 50, we doing okay, Brian? Fi- we're at 50 minutes. Okay, I think, we haven't I think, even... I think we could do 50 more. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that the listening public is demanding it, but the deep blue goodbye might we, necessitate We have to so get he finds, to where so he Okay, so, so, so on the trail of Junior Allen, McGee meets Lois Atkinson at her home, and she is near death. She's taken up drink. She stopped eating, right? Yep. And she invites him in. Of course. Come on in, stranger. Nurse me back to health. It's 1964. Bring it on. Um. Okay. Uh, so is it unbelievable that this woman is so damaged she would let uh, a stranger into her home? It's unbelievable. Is that I would saying? think, if anything, she would be more get get out of here. Yeah. Scoot out of my house. Not <laughs> come on in. It wasn't come on in, and you know it. <laughs> she didn't put much she- up. She no, she didn't. So she, she thought, basically she said, thought "Come in." She was a she was a beaten down person. She was yeah. just no. She and, he and, saw and, this lady weighs as much as a paperclip. Let me make my move now. That's that is wow. The is that, he saved her? You you don't think he saved her life? No, I think he took the reins of control of the brainwash and was like. I'm going to take you to my houseboat after knowing you nine days. It did not have a good outcome. You can say that. He did not think ahead. He did not handle the situation in a way that... he did think ahead, and this is exactly what he wanted. So, you just... (laughs) I think he just... Okay, I don't want to be a complete spoiler, but there is a second book. Okay, so I mean, obviously, there's twenty more books, right? Crap. Yeah, <laughs> more. yeah. There's twenty more books, but I'm saying there's another book after this. Emily and I will not be reading any of them. Another spoiler. <laughs> I was I was about to say maybe we'll just talk about that second book next time the four of us get together. 
<laughs> it's Nightmare in Pink, if anybody's wondering what's next. No, nobody is. Okay, so Brian? Yes. Lois Atkinson. S uh, saved Little Lamb or Kidnap Victim? Go. Uh, I'd say somewhere somewhere in between. Um, and uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, is your well, wife going to listen to this? She probably <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is, is your daughter? Uh, probably not, but but uh, that's okay. Here's the thing: I um, I I will agree with Emily and Tirza. The fact that he took her, brought her down to Florida, knowing that well, she was they were in, they were in Florida, right? That's well, where her house well, was. well, brought her closer to Junior Allen was a mistake. Th their paths were bound across um and hold up though he didn't know that because he's taking random trips to new york just for junior allen to walk up on the beach he didn't have to do nothing so all those were pointless he i don't think he knew that he was taking him taking her closer to junior allen but i mean but he but he, he, he the way he told her to just get over it to just move on and then the way she takes that, that good, I mean, it's sometimes good advice, you know, don't wallow, but also seek psychiatric evaluation and help. If you're in that kind of situation, let's make that very clear. You, people need professional help, whether it's 1964 or 2021, but then she just takes that okay. and, and she loses all fear. That was unbelievable to me that she just ran up to this person that she was so terrorized by at the end of the book, just ran up to him in order to be snatched again. Um, she does not have good self- She's self trying to save McGee. She's trying to save McGee. It's very heroic. Yeah. No, well, well, her protector. McGee knew he, yeah, he, he trained her well. That's a little- Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. So look, uh, well, I, but maybe, maybe, I don't maybe... want to keep having 1964 thrown up in my face. I'm simply saying, that it is it is of a piece of the culture, and that's where the culture was. I don't think it was. I, I, I'm not. I'm not excusing the behavior of scoundrels, whether protagonist or antagonist, um, uh, because of the year. I'm saying that it's less shocking uh, because of the year. No, I'm not. No, I'm not because pe no. I because I still think people are horrible and they, they just like disguise it under stuff now but, but um it would be a different sort of horrible today is all i'm saying brian i i did think it was interesting how um uh Ch chucky's friend what's her what's her name kathy kathy kathy, kathy how, how kathy kerr's father came into the fortune i thought that that scam of of you know uh running you know flying in asia and picking up uh, gold and melting it down to look like airplane parts and then bolting it to the airplane and painting it i thought that that was a really interesting scam and uh how he was able to kind of keep that covered up and then convert it into uh precious gems i mean that that was that was kind of a cool storyline too Emily? bad he uh, 
he couldn't keep his temper there at the end. But that was probably my favorite. <laughs> that's probably my favorite part of the book. When he killed the officer? No. What Brian said. <laughs> but the the description of ah. uh, how they how they did that during the war and the logistics of that. I enjoyed that part of the book. And there was no women in that part of the book, so that was less distracting. There you go. So that was probably my favorite part. <laughs> now, we have to talk about his airplane ride. I can't remember if it was there or back. I'm happy there. to. I'm happy. <laughs> no, I have that. I, think it was on I, the... had it, I highlighted it as well, and I'm going to read the my air, note. The airplane ride to, to Houston? Texas. Right. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to Houston. Um, uh, Okay, McDonald was a genre writer. Uh, he was. I was a little. I was uncomfortable with his many uh, comparisons to the animal world. Um, you know, at the end when he's like talking about the kids and like the rabbits, the little rabbits. I mean, McGee's like. I mean, it's like all so. I don't know that there's a better word than haughty, but, you know, arrogant. He's so above it. It's just like, I mean, but but incidentally, I mean, I, I think it was prescient that almost almost 60 years ago, uh, he was talking about um, a, a, an ever more technical world, uh, cutting out people who were not equipped for it, you know, culling the herd. I mean, certainly we see that part of that in the... Um, uh, economic divisions of our time. Emily, you're not you're not moved by that. Sorry, my mind when she started talking about the the animal comparisons, I went straight to the bovine quote. So that's all I can mildly say. bovine, mildly not better. All right, you two. All right, how did it, tell us about the uh, tell us about the uh, stewardess, the flight attendant. <laughs> For those of you without video, Brian's just taken a taken his uh, his experience quiet. He's gone he's gone silent for the household, so that nobody because we're about to start talking about the stewardess, and he doesn't want anyone in his house, his wife or daughter, to hear what's about to happen. Well, you, re you remember that part in Star Wars where Luke takes his tracking guidance system off? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and keep my <laughs> guidance system off. <laughs> Ryan is not using the force. Oh man. Okay, I so who's, who's going to go? Uh, everybody uh, every woman wants to sleep with him absolutely every woman wants to sleep with him and i didn't know if that was like an unreliable narrator thing since this is first person or just you know he's got that rhythm i couldn't tell um but i did highlight this part when he's on the flight a stewardess took a special and personal interest in me she was a little bigger than they usually are and a little older than the norm she was styled for abundant lactation and her uniform blouse was not she had a big white smile and she was mildly bovine. And I had the curious feeling I had met her before. I made a, I made a note, didn't know this was gonna be a talking point. I made the note, gross. And then I went on. <laughs> uh, Emily? I know you said no explicitives, so I'm trying to 
not, but mine were filled with inappropriate comments. Ex Explitatives. Yeah, that's the word. I can't even get it out. I'm so angry. How? On what? It's just not okay. I skipped that chapter. Good for you. <laughs> Never, I've known Brian Grimm his entire life, and I've never known him to be as gutless as he's being right now. This is unbelievable to me. This is very relevatory. How do you feel about it, Jeff? Well, I think you, uh, on the next page over, is when he calls her uh, the Jetstream Valkyrie, which I which I'm... Uh, I think um, I was skipping sentences at that point. I got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I can only take so much. Okay, okay, uh, okay. So first of all, I don't know, John Hamm. John Hamm as Travis McGee. No? No? Not John oh, no, Hamm. he could pull it off. He could pull it off. Yeah, but Good I casting. feel like even, even Mad Men wasn't as bad as Travis. Like... It was like the first episode where Peggy Olsen gets on the pill and the, and the doctor tells her this isn't a license to become the town pump. Well, maybe because well, he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> well, he's smoking a cigarette during the during the whatever they call it, the examination. Maybe because they didn't compare her to a bovine cow thing. I mildly do. bovine. Again, we just, you're we just, just, we mildly... just gloss right over the adjective. Oh, God. Doesn't make it better. Yeah, and he you're also, just kind of a cow, sort of. He calls another woman a rabbit. He, what a he heifer! is a rabbit. So. Okay. I, no, there's a. Pattern. He's calling everybody rabbits by the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I don't think. Okay, so I'm not here to excuse Travis McGee's. Uh, attitudes towards women. I'm not. Um, it's, it's, it's it's offensive behavior. Okay, uh, but I but I think that he was fonder of Lois than you guys are uh, letting on. There near the end, he refers to it as our shower, not my shower. Our shower. I think that's true. I think that's true. Whatever limited capacity he has to be monogamous and in a healthy relationship, I think that's true. Thank you, Tusa. Brian, did you do you think that that's a pretty slender read to uh, lean on? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have the big showdown. You, as as as. Uh, as a teller of tales, uh, uh, as a spinner of a yarn, how does McDonald, um, how does the adventure, uh, the, the exciting uh, climax of uh, the novel uh, hold up? Brian? Well, I thought that it was pretty good. I mean, in, in the sense that you knew that Travis was in real danger, that, that, that he had picked um, an opponent that uh, he probably doesn't beat nine times out of 10. And, uh, and he 
through a series of circumstances and events that he did come to defeat him. <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> Nothing. You're just choosing your words so so precisely. It's like, what are you scared of? You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, um, okay. I thought I, th I thought that it was an ex an exciting um, climax to to this to this face off that everyone knew was coming once the book started. Thank you, Brian. Emily. I think it was disappointing. <laughs> what? Why? As just a, as a, as an as an adventure scene. Yeah. Well. I mean, I don't really like the his like way of describing things. It goes on and on. It's like, just shut up and tell me what's next. <laughs> I, I can't take another twenty adjective list with commas. Like I, it was too much. Also, I think it would have been better if there was like another twist to the story. So it was a little boring. So, like, if you would have preferred it, if uh, Junior Allen would have lived. No, but in my head, because like I just thought there would be a twist. I thought like Chuki was in on it. I thought like Chuki wanted Travis to help find this thing because like in the beginning it says that Kathy owes her a little bit of money. So I thought like Chuki was gonna like come in and be Junior Allen's partner. Nope. I think that's an interesting. I think that's an interesting take on things. Um, but it would be predicated on McGee being less of a of an expert on the right. female animal than he is. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably true. I should have known. But I did I I agree. It was and I think probably it's a product of its time. It's so kind of Oh, well, now who's using 64 as an excuse? <laughs> but I'm not, I think it explains it. It's so sparsely written in a way that I'm not really used to. I Sometimes I have to be like, wait, what just happened? And kind of yeah. scan back. I did like how he figured out where Junior had hidden the gems and the money. I thought that was very clever. He's obviously a smart guy with experience. I didn't know why he had that experience or why he had those smarts, but he had a plan and it worked even though he drugged that, la that poor lady Deline. oh but it was okay she's young. Yeah. she's young it was a strong barbiturate come on she's young it's fine it's whatever <laughs> as her eyes rolled into the back of her oh, head oh yeah yep 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 i don't think i killed her just <laughs> one okay you know what look i'm not gonna i'm not Okay, there was something. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take the pro roofie position, but I'm saying this wasn't Bill Cosby. I mean, he wasn't. You know, too soon. <laughs> I'm saying he had to get her out of the action. So yeah. tell her to leave. Don't drug her up. That was good too. The junior Allen had manipulated the situation to have fewer people there. Clever, right? And uh, it, the exact same setup that he had with Lois, he'd have a woman that was mean anyway, 
and could be manipulated into being <laughs> abusive and another victim. Obviously, I mean, that was true. I think the way they portrayed Junior Allen as a, as a violent criminal whose, whose crimes were going to continue to increase, I think that was fun. Thank you. So I agree. So and that's a, why I think that it works as an adventure yarn. Brian? So it's good that Travis stepped in. I mean, he really did prevent further crimes. Yeah, with an anchor. <laughs> that, and he punched up that other dude on in that house. Uh, so we all know that Trav McGee is just a strong little muscle man. He doesn't well, look strong. He doesn't he look doesn't, strong. But no, but he knew how to. Wrist, but if you pay attention to his wrist, yeah, he would know. You would know. Is <laughs> he's, he's jangly, long-limbed, raw-boned, but has the strength of the Hulk. No, but was a match for Junior Allen, who was all knotted up shoulders and muscles. And, and also the young football star who was not. So he's what? like, you know, those are the those are like the the muscly lineman guys. Right. But Trav McGee. He could take on anything. Yeah. I think yeah. I think so, McGee was a tight end, I think is really uh revealed That went over my head. I don't know what a tight end is, so <laughs> let's keep it. It's a football player. Okay. Well. Lois and Kathy and Chucky know what a tight end is. I bet they do. Okay. All right. Moving on. So, so, um, yeah. All right. So, action. I, I, yeah. So, I, I, I thought that there were elements. Now, here's the thing I, I'd like to, I'd like to say the following. And in reviewing a book called Pursuit, by a guy named Thomas Perry. This was the book that um, uh, lost me. This was the review, I should say, that lost me um, a gig reviewing books for the Fort Worth Star Telegram. And that was, uh, um, I, I compared the hero of Pursuit uh, as uh, Travis McGee without the houseboat and the playboy philosophy. So in, in the, uh, I don't even know how long, but like, so like Playboy started publishing in the 50s and then um, Hugh Hefner would write a column and it was, I think even called the Playboy philosophy. And it was all about, you know, how to be an elegant man about town and, you know, how to, I mean, I'm no, I'm saying it's reprehensible. And, it, and he tried to class up his girly magazine by, by presenting it with this whatever feels good is good philosophy. And I think that that is, uh, I think that permeates the, the, the Travis McGee books. Uh, McGee has, uh, uh, McDonald through McGee has constructed this um, worldview uh, that is at its core, the playboy philosophy of whatever feels good is good. So it's, it's McGee's morality of, I mean, look, I, I, I'm with Brian. Junior Allen had to be stopped. And, you know, we live in a world with walls. 
who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna protect them? You, you private, you, you. Uh, From a few good men, um, uh, the the notion being that what? I I don't think I've ever seen that. It's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what he's talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> I've glazed over. Well, okay. We're we're back at the NPR segment. We're at what's going on. Emily's a longtime listener to well. I mean, it hadn't been a long time. I mean, we're just coming up on our one-year episode. But uh, Emily's had uh, trenchant opinions about uh, the Managing Expectations podcast from ever since she learned of it. Um, okay, so are we done with the deep blue goodbye? I just also really quick want to know why he's painted to look like a Wolverine. But also oh, supposed I, to be a playboy. Can, I, can you hold that up closer, please? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Or here, here it is in in sepia tone. That's uh, even worse, I think. Yeah, he looks like a fish man. It's disgusting. But I'm supposed to think all the girls are after this. Uh, yeah, I was saying John Ham. Okay, so. Um, John Ham would make more sense than whatever they chose as an illustration yeah he just hadn't been born yet let alone <laughs> become yeah yeah well this... can we just can we just uh uh raise a glass for lois just for a second well spoiler uh, alert if you know if, if you haven't read the deep far, blue goodbye and we've totally sold you on reading it <laughs> please fast forward through the next two minutes tears uh go it really I wasn't expecting it for whatever reason. And it really didn't sadden me, but it irritated me because of its suddenness. McGee was at her side. But it, it made sense as like, this is, uh, this is the way we set up this man's tragic backstory. We kill this woman that he has emerging feelings for. And uh, I should have seen it coming. I didn't. And uh, RIP Lois. I mean, she's no use to him now. So, what else are we gonna do with a female character with no? Yeah, what are they gonna do? No use. Sail away on the houseboat in peace and love. Deuces. No. <laughs> well, this this has been fun. I am really looking forward to Nightmare in Pink. going to be a two-man podcast right there with an all-male perspective i'm not gonna lie though because i did like look into the other books his like sidekick is a finance man or something i could only imagine how that plays into this he did a favor for him meyer yeah meyer's a world-class economist what what sherlock and holmes Crab McGee and Myers just no, it's not Myers. Shop. It's just it's just one. It's Meyer. Oh, excuse me, Meyer. <laughs> what a well, and the least it matters. But <laughs> okay. The uh, the I I don't have a physical copy of of the book, and so I I downloaded the the e reader version of it. Um, because but, Brian's a lot wealthier than the rest of us. 
No, that has, doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just that's what I could get my hands on the quickest. Um, but there's an intro by Lee Child, which is is actually really, really good that gives some story and some history about John D. McDonald and his upbringing, his time in the war and what he did when he came home. Um, so if you can find it, take a look at it. You want to share some of it with us? Uh, yeah, I, I'd be happy to. A few years ago, they reissued them, and Carl Hyacin has also written an introduction to McDonald. Because here's the thing. We may not like McDonald. We may not think he holds up well. But everybody, uh, no, not you, Emily, because not so much the cozy writers, but, um, but I saw your eye roll, and so did the audience, okay? So, um, but I mean, a lot of the really popular thriller writers, uh, mystery writers, uh, all look to McDonald and say, yeah, that, that guy was, yeah. Oh, Brian. Uh, Sue Grafton says this. <laughs> a, a dominant influence on writers crafting the continuing series character. Oh, that's high praise. <laughs> By the way, I, Mrs. Winger and I started A for Alibi, the Sue Grafton book. Um, and it, I, I, we, uh, we, we started it on um, uh, an audio book on a trip one time, and we thought it was horrible. I have to say, Jeff, there were several times in this book that I wanted to call Mrs. Winger and talk to her <laughs> about this book, <laughs> but I decided not to. Well, well, you have her number and you're free to. I don't believe that this is, uh, <laughs> in fact, in fact, Mrs. Winger and I uh, listened to The Deep Blue Goodbye as an audio book on a trip. Um, and, um, but last night when I, when I shared the thing about the stewardess, um, you know, that one line isolating that one line completely out of context, Mrs. Winger scoffed and said, that's stupid. Yeah. Probably more than stupid, but. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's what she, I think that was their word choice. I mean, I was there. Or, yeah, she may have said idiotic, okay. what she was thinking. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, can, I can only begin, I can only guess. Uh, more from Lee Child, Brian? Yes. Uh, um, John's father um, was a financial executive for a manufacturer in Pittsburgh. And uh, so he grew up in a pretty middle-class life and uh, went to two good East Coast schools and uh, went to Harvard for an MBA. Listen, I'm not saying that this you know, makes him a wonderful person, but it's just an interesting story. Um, volunteered for the army, came back as a Lieutenant Colonel, um, and then you know, could have done just about anything he wanted to as far as working for some of the you know, large emerging big companies at the time. But it says that uh, what did he do during his first or the first four post-war months? He wrote 800,000 words and didn't sell anything. And then he- they were crap. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent job, Emily. Well done. <laughs> um, but then sold one story for 25 bucks and then sold another one for 25 bucks and then just kept building on that. So- Off to the races. Off to the races. And that's how we end up with 
okay so in the go ahead i was just gonna say i can appreciate it in its way of starting something you know that the tv was sort of doing it the more um overarching storylines but that's just the way we tell stories now it's things are not episodic anymore books tvs even movies it's all one continuous story so that's kind of neat to see that as like a historical document thank you for that perspective that's great see i like it when people try to find the good in something <laughs> but to be clear i hated it <laughs> Um, okay, so in the 50s, he wrote a book called The Executioners, which became a movie called Cape Fear. Who's seen Cape Fear? Gregory Peck and uh, Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum is absolutely chilling. Okay, anybody? Okay, it was remade in like 1990 or something by Martin Scorsese. It was like way more gratuitous uh, in its sex and violence. Um, than the than the original but uh the original cape fear is 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 like really scary for the 50s robert mitchum brings it and you know gregory peck plays gregory peck i mean he's a he's essentially atticus finch um in everything and but i mean just a a guy who's harassed by a a fellow not unlike junior allen in his appetites and his um and, and and so he's like um gregory peck is the uh lawyer who sends robert mitchum away mitchum comes out and he starts harassing the family and i mean he's really well done um but we also see i think that this is kind of interesting and maybe why i'm more uh forgiving of this storyline than uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, half, half of our, um, panel, uh, is that this is kind three, of the beginning three, of three quarters. <laughs> wow. Okay. wow. Just, uh, just flipped on that. But I mean, it's like the beginning of like the dad revenge fantasy. So like, if you're not living a Travis McGee-like life, okay? Um, I mean, look, this book is hugely insulting for those of us who don't live on the coast, who actually do go to work and bring a, you know, a, a, a paycheck. Have self-respect. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett songs are the exact same. They make you feel terrible if you like have a job, you know, if you're not just like hanging out, you know, on the coast with you know without insurance i mean uh, so so uh i think um liam neeson like essentially every liam neeson movie for the last 20 years um has been um okay taken taken is very much about a guy just um uh okay so a guy I mean, he's got very special skills, okay, that whole scene. But then uh, somebody takes his daughter and you wanna be able to protect your family. You wanna be able to protect the people you love. Um, McGee doesn't have a family per se, but he, but the, but the, I can't remember the guy's name in Cape Fear, 
uh, but the Gregory Peck uh, character does have a family. McDonald, I believe, was a pretty, you know, bourgeois fellow with his wife, and you know, he had a uh, he had kids, I think, and executor of the estate, Emily. Two sons, one named after. One's named Travis. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Well, the other one I think is Maynard, um, probably after John Maynard Keynes, the economist. Uh, <laughs> Meyer's houseboat is called the John Maynard Keynes. He doesn't deserve that boat. <clears throat> that was a very nerdy little fact you had there. Okay, well. We don't uh, expect anything less. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry that I'm the only one who bothers to know anything about post-war economics <laughs> and about how John Maynard Keynes uh, advocated for government intervention in the free market. Okay. All right, so that's Being how you... a nerd is good, Jeff. Being a nerd is good. Well, Everyone I, I, part of, yeah, part of, uh, I, I, you know, and I meant to look up the part of, Freud's idiotic. Um, I mean, I mean, what's the id and what's the ego and the superego? But I mean, clearly, um, McGee is the the man of action, the the uh, uh, you know a physical man. Whereas um, Meyer, and he plays Meyer plays more and more of a part in the in the books as they progress. I've read I don't know I've probably read half of them. Um, what brian you want me to do the math you want me to i mean it no no not at all i i think it's interesting that over the last several years the idea of an anti-hero has been very popular in american television and even in movies and things like that and i think that this shows that that's that's nothing new right this this goes back many many years that uh um people were writing uh and had the idea that people like this would be popular, that you had a character who maybe wanted to do good things, but also did a lot of bad things. What are some other examples of anti-heroes, Brian? None are popping to mind right now. <laughs> I've just heard that that's a popular thing. <laughs> we're, we're, hey, we're coming up on an hour and a half with the the managing expectations of this podcast. What? Well, I said at the beginning that this was a very special episode, and it has been. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of questions asked about what we're going to read for our second uh, Managing Expectations book club. Brian, any suggestions? Nope. I'll, uh, I'll just go along with what, with you folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you fellers. Uh, Tirza, what, uh, Anne of Green Gables? Are you saying that because she's a girl? <laughs> He does, no, he knows me pretty well. I love that book. I'm not going to apologize for it. But uh, I think I told you uh, Hondo. I actually just read Hondo. And Louis uh, L'Amour. That yeah, that's something that I threw into the hat, or whatever the saying is. The ring. Okay. The suggestion box. 
that is that's an interesting suggestion it was written i mean i mean the thing about westerns is uh there's not the explicit uh sex and violence that uh is is common um emily your thoughts none no thoughts uh didn't somebody toss out the spy who came in from the cold you probably tossed that because i don't even know we were talking about it before we started recording Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a espionage thriller. You know what? We've done some John Le Carre on on the podcast lately. Maybe we're just gonna we'll put a pin in that. When was that one written? Sixty one. Okay. Sixty two. Sixty three. Sixty three. Maybe we'll take no a houseboats break. though. No houseboats. <laughs> Maybe we'll take a break from the sixties uh, and male authors from the sixties. Does anybody I, want to mention something that they really liked reading recently? I don't know. Goodbye. Well, that's like, uh, okay. Well, I mean, essentially, that's all Brian and I talk about. And Emily's already told you that she's happy with the novelizations of, oh. of, of cheesy television shows. Hey. So, I, I hate to shoot you down, Tirza, but. Okay. <laughs> you're being such a silly woman. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm just trying to get book recommendations guys all right have you well, okay. okay have you read wolf hall by hillary mantle no but i've i've heard about it it's it's really good okay. uh it's uh it's uh and i'm not one for historical fiction and i i don't love the royal family in any way shape or form but this historical novel set in I mean, Thomas Cromwell, uh, Henry VIII's um, uh, advisor is, is, is really well done. Uh, Emily uh, if, would if, hate it because, if, because Anne Boleyn really gets a short end of the stick. Just a typical man-hating book, woman-hating book. If you don't, if you don't have time to, uh, to read Wolf Hall, you can just watch season two of The Tudors and say you did. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> or not. What the heck? But Wolf Hall is humongous, right? It's like, what is that, like 800 pages? Ow. It looks like about 600. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll, so we'll, so we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I, I want to recommend, I, I want to suggest, I just want to throw this into the hopper. Wanna, I want to run this up the flagpole and see who salutes. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe we could read Danielle Steele's message from Nam. It it would be a it would be an easily accessible romance, uh, picked up at almost any Goodwill in the country. Um, That's saying how great of a book it is, right there. Or just how many copies there are of it. Because Danielle Steele is like one of, okay, I, look, I've never, I've never, I just think it would be hilarious. I, I bet I imagine it's awful. I imagine it's written by someone who's gotten as close to uh, Vietnam as the Intercontinental Hotel on Waikiki Beach. 
um, and I always want to, I just want to continue to say, if you can only read one book about the Vietnam experience, make it Danielle Steele's message from Nam. I wrote it down. Um, okay. Uh, how does everybody feel about, I, I've never read Agatha Christie either. Not Emily, one? Emily, is there is there one of any of her 85 books that you would recommend for the group? The the Diary of uh, Roger Ackroyd or Roger, yeah. Is it The Murder of Roger Ackroyd? I think so, but I think- It's Diary of a Wimpy Kid. No. No, Diary of Anne Frank. No, Agatha Christie wouldn't have written that, would she? Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, I, that's a call back to my anti-Semitic. Uh, uh, Mildly bovine. <laughs> Was Lady okay? So nobody ever called Lady Agatha a jet stream Valkyrie. No. Probably not. Virgie no. would have no. uppercut them. Um. <laughs> If we if we did um, Murder on the Orient Express, I could just watch the Kenneth Branagh movie. Although that's the most steampunky facial hair I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, he's not a good pro. Why not? He doesn't look like the good old description. He's not what? smart enough either. <laughs> wow. You, you think? David Suchet or whatever, pinpoint perfect. Was that the guy on the, all the PBS? Yes. Well, Rose? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I, I'm gonna have a hard time getting by, behind a Belgian protagonist. <laughs> you gotta get some oh, Belgians. but you had a great, <laughs> great time getting behind this one. You know what, you know, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I, okay. Um, okay, anybody ever read, uh, oh, this is, this is it. This is it. Rex Stout, uh, the Rex Stout uh, Nero Wolf mysteries. You would like these, Emily. Um, uh, Rex Stout uh, wrote uh, Nero Wolf, who is like a genius, but he's fat and um, he's a, uh, um, um, misanthropic he spends all day um uh doing orchids in his in his no you'd like it it's 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 a cozy but smart as opposed to the you know the the, the just the lame cozies there's a ton of them which which one but the first one? Oh, i heard fur delance wasn't that great also it's probably oh, not what a great start Okay, for the Lance. <laughs> what? For the Lance. <laughs> for the Lance, everybody. Emily. Sure. Whatever. It's a hyphenated word because it's French. Oh, I don't want to read it. <laughs> okay. Also, what's the name of? Uh, uh, 
Archie something. Archie Goodwin. No, not Archie Goodwin. He was a comic book writer. And not Archie Manning. He was um, football player. A football player. So what? What's the name of Nero Wolf's uh, uh, Travis McGee? His uh, his muscle. His go-to guy. It's Archie something. Archie Bunker. No, it's not Archie Bunker. That's who, although Archie Bunker has a lot in common with uh, Lady Agatha, doesn't he? Archie Goodwin. Is it Archie Goodwin? No, it's That's not Archie. That's what Goodreads says. Really? Okay, mm-hmm. Archie Goodwin. Um, okay. All right, everybody, you got your assignment for next month. Uh, Ferdilance by Rex Stout. Can't wait. Be here. Aloha. <laughs> I was I was thinking uh, the Jack Lord, who apparently was uh, offered um, a role as Travis McGee, would have been a good Travis McGee. That long, loose-limbed, rangy Jack Lord. <laughs> okay, um, I just want to tell a, a story in conclusion. Okay, Brian's got to like actually go make some money. Uh, and I don't know if he got as much out of therapy this week as he might have liked. But um, uh, so in our last podcast, uh, which has not actually been posted because of a little, 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 technical problem on my part i told a story about being in a in a reading class my senior year and one of the book reports i did was on john d mcdonald's book the green ripper which actually won like the national book uh, award national book i don't know he won a big prize and it was like it was like a lot of adventure so in that one mcgee actually does find the girl and he does settle down and they're going to be happy and then she's killed and then let me tell you, Katie bar the door, the gloves come off, and he and 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 he just kills bad guys, and it's unbelievable. So exciting. Anyway, I reviewed that as a senior in high school, and interestingly, uh, a couple of girls, um, one of whom, uh, if she didn't uh, if she didn't fancy me, would have settled for me. Um, just were merciless about about uh, McGee, like just like this is like every uh, cliche we've ever heard. This, you know, they just uh, they weren't getting behind it. And look, look, turns out that women don't really like Travis McGee. Interesting. Except for Chuki. Chuk, trap, Chuk, honey, Chuk, dear. <laughs> I love it when I start seeing a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> it was this lowest in your houseboat. <laughs> Go by and check Wait, on uh, Lois here. I know you're gonna like her. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a lot in common. We have brains. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was doing a bit. Chuki and Lois have a lot in common. I guess also Tears and Emily, fine. Well, your bits stink. <laughs> okay, well, I, I've heard that before, and I'm still here. And you'll hear it again.
This has been episode 44 of the Managing Expectations podcast, a proud production of me and Brian. And we're happy to have with us today uh, special guests, Tirza Major and Emily Fry. Uh, we're we're uh, uh, brought to you by MrsWinger.com, All in a Dream, comics and books in Denver, Colorado. And uh, don't forget to check out the man, uh, the uh, 7208 podcast on Spotify. For us, the managing managing expectations. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher. We are everywhere you go to get awesome podcasts. And this is going to be a real treat for you as you commute back and forth to work, a little bit at a time. It's no problem. Okay, then have you don't have to listen to the whole thing at once. It's okay. What else are you gonna do? And here's the other thing. There's another thing. Oh, you know what would be awesome is if you gave us a five-star review. And if you can't in good conscience give us a five-star review, then just don't review us. That's fine. So we appreciate that. Um okay, anything else? Oh, subscribe. So you know, why would you want to miss a week a week or whatever of this when you can subscribe? Anybody want to say goodbye? Uh, you know, I had a great time. And so I want to thank our guests once again. <laughs> you know, I can't say enough good things about these two guests. Their insight and perspective is certainly appreciated by me and by the show. So thank you. I do mean that sincerely. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to read the book and join us and discuss it today. It's gracious. Yeah. He, and he, he means it. And if he didn't, he wouldn't say it. But it's also uh, self-serving cowardice on his part because he doesn't want to sleep on the sofa for the next month. <laughs> thanks With for that, having me on yeah, for thanks. my second and perhaps final time. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, we got Fur de Lance in March. And it's probably not even it's probably not even pronounced Fur de Lance. Well, you're saying it like some cowpoke coming from the field. Fur de Lance. That's what I'm gonna do this evening. Grab me some fertile lands. I'm fixing to read fertile lands. <laughs> uh, a rueful sigh. Because <laughs> if you want that rueful sigh, I sure do want to give it to her. Give it to you, <laughs> Emily. Thanks for being with us. Oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> it just sounds. It just sounds like Emily's gonna go kick her dog, but. Mm -hmm. um, uh, okay, listen, I've had a ball uh, and we do have a day to get on with. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Uh, listeners, let's go to work. <laughs>